That's my fault. If you don't mind, I'd like to share just a couple of brief thoughts with you. I know there's three books up here, and we're going to read them all this morning. I'm just kidding. I have a couple of very uh, brief thoughts that I would like to share with us today. And uh, many times I prepare by hand, and just to be honest, I didn't feel like retyping it this morning. So I'm just going to come to you straight off of uh, paper this morning. We do have a sermon series for this month. We're going to consider today a soft launch of our sermon series. And so the sermon series for the month of January, we may let it trickle over into February. I'm going to call this series Cutting Wood. Cutting Wood. Has anybody ever had to cut firewood by hand before? Come on, give me a big wave. Where's all my country folk at? Yes, 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 I love it. Luther all the way in the back knows about splitting some wood. If you haven't ever had to split wood or cut wood, that's okay. We don't hold it against you. We're just going to call you blessed and highly favored of the Lord because anybody who's had to do it much knows that it is not a lot of fun. It's fun for about 30 seconds, and then it's not fun anymore because it turns into hard work. But we're going to talk about spiritually cutting wood. And here's where that is coming from, is that cutting wood is something that it's not always a lot of fun, but it is necessary. You do it even when you don't need to, so that when you do need wood, you've got some. Because if you wait until the storm comes to start cutting, you've waited too long. Uh, I love y'all, but I come to talk some truth today, so I'm just going to hit the thing right on the head. Thank you, Sarah. I'll pray in just a moment. But some of us need to know that the reason why our spiritual life doesn't tend to produce any fruit, especially when we need it, is because we want Jesus to be like McDonald's, and we wait until we're hungry and need a quick fix, and we want to swarp it right into the drive-thru and say, give me a number three, Jesus, make it extra large and extra ice, get me a hot apple pie, take my money, get me my food because I'm out of here back to doing what I was doing. And I need to let you know there is nothing more prideful or nothing more arrogant than to treat our Lord and our Savior who he gave his life for us. He is the eternal God creator of the universe who was and is and is to come and to treat him as if he works for us and that he comes at our beck and call is prideful and arrogant. And I love you you enough on January 1 to just come out of the gate swinging and saying, please, for the love of Pete, John, and Bill, do not go into 23 expecting God to meet your needs when you give him two hours on Sunday and a 10 in the offering plate, because that's not who we are. That's not who he is. That's not who he's called us to be. And it's not the reason that he went to the cross. That came out a little more harsh than maybe what I intended it to, but it's what happens when I worship, I get all worked up. And so if I may, I've got a scripture that I'd like to share with you. Proverbs 14, verses 12 and 13 says this, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. In other words, there's some things that you do, they make sense to you in the moment. But when you keep doing it that way, you look around and realize this way of doing, this way of living hasn't produced life. It's actually led me to a place of death. Has anyone ever arrived somewhere in your life and you're saying, this is not where I wanted to end up? 
Listen, and I come with you humbly today. So I'm a preacher and a pastor, but I'm also a human being. I'm a man and a husband and a father. And so uh, when God anoints you, you get to do amazing things. Sometimes you feel like Superman, but meantimes when you go home, you're anointed to preach, but then you go home and you still have to do the work of a man and a husband and a father. And so I've got tons of flaws like everyone, and I'm, I'm going to be really bold with you because I've had a couple of weeks off to rest maybe. And so I've just decided to come uh, both barrels blazing today and I just want to tell the gate church that um, I love you enough to be bold and tell the truth and be transparent with you and and I'm a young man there's so much that I have to learn and I've uh, relished the past six months of what it has meant and looked like and 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 I certainly haven't arrived in this journey but I feel like every day I learn something new about what it means to be a pastor and to shepherd God's people. And so there's so much I'm learning, but I'm also bold and humble enough to tell you the truth that there is some things that even in 36 years that I've lived through and some things that I've learned and I've had a burden in my heart that I want to share with you as a congregation some things that I've watched God do in and through my life. And so here's some things that I want to tell you is that so many times we get on the hamster wheel of life. And we arrive at places we didn't want to arrive at. And rather than stop and reflect about how did I get here? Why has my life turned out this way? We find something new. We find a new wheel to get on. And then we just start running and act like we didn't just waste the past year, the past six months, the past six years. And listen, I just need to tell you that there came a day where my marriage fell apart. And my wife said, if, you're, if we're going to stay this way, I'd rather go on without you than go on with you. And in many ways, she was justified. I come to tell the truth today. And so what did Jordan have to do? We had to look in the mirror. I need to let somebody know that sometimes when your life is in pain, you don't need to start pointing your finger at everybody else around you. Sometimes you need a mirror. And sometimes a good mirror is this book right here called the Holy Bible. Because this thing, it cuts right to the division of soul and spirit. It will show you quickly and accurately who you really are. And so sometimes when things don't go well, you need to look in the mirror and go, how did I get here? What did I choose? What have I been doing that led to this point. And so here's some things that I need to tell you is that God can do some things in an instant. Like we were talking about today. You cannot want to live and get in the presence of God and He will, and He'll breathe on you and then just like that you go, I can live. But then the next day you have to keep choosing I want to live. God got me up, I'm going to stay up. He picked my feet out of the miry clay. I'm not going to run and jump right back in the mud hole that he pulled me out of. And so you can't always rely on your emotions and your logic to help you navigate the way because there's a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to death. Jeremiah 6 and 16, this is the Lord speaking. Stand in the way and see and ask for the old paths where the way is good and walk in it, then you will find rest for your souls. And so here's something that you need to know about God. He's the creator of the universe. 
He, there is a way, there are systems at work. So an easy one that we all identify with is you reap what you sow. So God doesn't manufacture things. He doesn't make copies or duplicates. God's pattern is he plants a seed and he lets it grow. No two trees are the same. No two roses are the same. No two animals are the same. No two people are the same because God works through seed and sowing. He works through the seasons. The book of Mark says there's a parable Jesus gives where there's the stalk, there's the ear, and then there's the full corn in the ear. God doesn't go, corn, and then 30 seconds later you're picking off some corn. God plants a seed. There's rain, there's shine, there's storms, there's pretty days, there's windy days, and then the corn grows. And when it's time, the harvester puts in the sickle. And so what does this mean for us? We need to understand that God wants to do a new thing in your life, but many times the new thing is predicated on you looking for the old ways. It's one of God's mysteries how that He does new things the same old way. That went straight to the back wall. Let me try that again. He does a new thing the same old way. And so you worship the same, with the same heart you did in 23 as you did in 22, but you look around and say, I might be singing the same song. I've got the same kind of passion, but God is doing something new. Because why? Worship is the old way. It's the old path, and it is good. I need to remind somebody today that God is not always about self-help. Sometimes God is saying, quit trying to find the new logic, the new wisdom. Sometimes you got to pull out your Bible and go, what's the old ways? What are the proven ways? What are the things that work for Moses and Joshua and David and Samuel and Isaiah? What are some of the things that work? What did Jesus do? What did Peter do? What did Paul do? What did John do that it worked for them those 2,000 years ago? Because if God did it for them and through them, he'll do it for me and through me. Now we're about to get some real strong medicine. God is so good. He's, he's perfect He created a perfect world. And he hid the secrets of the universe in this book. And yet we're so lazy that if someone doesn't boil it down for me in 20 minutes, I take my ball and go home. A wise man named Kelly Varner said to me and some friends one time, he was teaching us, and he said, you can learn the mysteries of God, but you have to become a detective of the Scriptures. You have to obsess over every detail. What about that word? What did he mean when he was saying that? Who, what were the Hebrews? What was the temple? What was the sacrifice? you got to uh, put some work in if you want to understand the mysteries of God. And my fear and my concern is that we as Americans, if I can't Google it, and if I can't get it on a TikTok reel, or I can't get it in 120 characters on Twitter, then I don't need to know. I don't think that's the path that's going to lead you to life. Now, see, I'm headed somewhere today. I promise I didn't come with a sharp knife alone. I come to, we're going to love on you some too. Hosea 4 and 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Hmm. Didn't get no help. Let me try over here. There's some preachers over here. Let me try right here. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. 
Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being my priests. Because you have forgotten the law of God, I'll forget your kids too. But did you think we were at Six Flags? We're just here to party and have a good time? No, what we do matters. What we think matters. The effort that we put in, it matters. You say, preacher, you're teaching works and performance and law. Oh, no, friend. (laughs) We're a long way from law in this day in which we live, if you want my humble opinion. What is God saying? Anywhere you're ignorant, you'll suffer. I need to let somebody know today that you ain't suffering because the world is mean. You ain't suffering because you're weaker than the other guy or you're not as good looking as the other guy. We're suffering in some areas because we're ignorant to how God wants to operate in our situations and our circumstances. I'm just going to keep on going. Did you know that the scripture calls our enemy the prince of darkness? Darkness is not just, in that context, is not just talking about evil. He is evil. Darkness is also a metaphor for ignorance. And so when you set out to say, I'm going to learn about God, I'm going to learn about His Word, I'm going to seek Him out, then here's what starts to happen. You start to learn. And guess what? Learning spiritual truth is the same as spiritual warfare. And so when you learn about God, when you seek out God, you take from your enemy his ability to attack you. That's worth rolling out of the bed for some of us today. And so you don't need to go into 23 saying, oh, I'm going to read Atomic Habits 34 times. You don't need an atomic habit. You need to know a living God. Habits don't make a man. Habits don't bring new life. The presence of God brings new life. The ways of God bring life. Because the scripture says his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. And so I think sometimes we are content to stay ignorant because we're lazy. Convenience will make you soft. Can't get no help. Y'all, y'all all partied last night is what this side over here done. I can feel it. Y'all partied till well after midnight. Coming in lethargic like a snail half out the shell this morning. I'm just going to stay over here. I've got a gas fireplace in my house now. Real nice. Got a little key. Turn it. Lighter. Whoof, instant heat. God bless America. Growing up in Greg Roberts' house, though, we did not take part in such sacrilege because we keep the old ways at the Roberts' house. And so down in the basement is a cast iron pot belly stove. We had central heat and air, just like the rest of us. I just want you all to know, my parents are insecure about how to talk about we're poor all the time. We weren't actually that poor all the time. We had central heat and air, but here's what's so funny about Greg is that even though we had central heat and air, we wouldn't use it. So I had to go down with Pap to the, to the firewood pile and bust wood to help heat the house. And so here's something I've learned about axe skills. 
uh, they're perishable. <laughs> they're perishable. Because when it became part of my responsibility to help process and get the firewood into the house, number one, dad always did far more than I did. But uh, I got good with an axe. And my dad was so good that we had the splitting log, which is flat, and then the wood that you're actually cutting, you set on top. And so sometimes the wood is not even, and you can't set it up without it falling over. And so you need something, or in our case, someone, to hold the log. And so the rule is, it's just like holding a football. You hold the log, but turn your head. And my dad was so good with an axe, we could go all day. And he would bust log after log, and the axe is that far away from my finger. And he'd say, don't move. Now, see, he's old school. He came up hard. And so he understood, we got to get this right. And he had done it so much that even with his own son's finger, you know, Dad, as I'm thinking about this, <laughs> did you really love me, Dad? No. He, he knew I can do this without taking off the end of the kid's finger. I never arrived at that level of skill. But now I got pretty good at one time. But living here in Oklahoma City with the privilege that I am able to enjoy, my skills have deteriorated. So my dad today could probably still pick up the axe. But now would I let Samuel hold the wood while I tried to chop it? No. Convenience makes us soft. And so I want to lovingly admonish us all today. You have to stay sharp on your skills. Because Google and the Holy Spirit are not even remotely the same thing. Google is a math problem. It's an algorithm. The Holy Spirit is a living member of the triune God that is constantly, Scripture says, constantly searching the mind of God. And the Holy Spirit will say, God, what are you thinking about this? And we say, Holy Spirit, lead us. And the Holy Spirit will come and say, this is what the Father is saying. This is what Jesus would do. This is the stratagem. This is the way. You need to repent. You need to forgive. You need to worship. You need to give. This is how the Holy Spirit works. You have a relationship with a person. You use Google. I need to remind you, you don't use the Holy Spirit. You don't use the Scripture. You don't use Jesus. You have a relationship. And you can't grow dull in your relationship. Last and final point, we're going to go home. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek. And you'll find, knock, and it will be open for you. For everyone who asks will receive, and he who seeks will find. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. So a bit of a poetic verse there. That's Jesus speaking. I need to remind us this morning. I, I just felt this burden to really get to this point right here. So I've said, you know, you need to know God. You have to become a detective. You've got to become hungry you have to learn to steward the desire and the hunger and the thirst. And something I love about God is the hungrier you get, the more you eat, the hungrier you get. Now, I went to Hibachi with some friends last night, and my eyes were hungrier than my belly. Y'all don't like Hibachi? And so it wasn't long before I was full, and I was like, I don't want anything else. 
But with God, the more you eat, the hungrier you get. You have to learn to feed that fire, feed that hunger. You have to learn to prolong that thirst, intensify that thirst. And so here's what you need to hear me say today. God will find you. He'll find you. He will seek you out. But, but, not always. Because he loves you enough, he wants the best kind of relationship with you, not a relationship that's one-sided. If Holly has to always come tell me that she loves me, she has to always track me down. She has to always do the romantic thing for me. She's always trying to love me, but I never do anything in return. It's one-sided. It's not healthy, and it won't last very long. Relationship with Jesus is the same way. We love to jump and shout about how he saved us and he healed us. But we don't really want a relationship with him. And here's how I know. A wise man once told me that proof of passion is in pursuit. When I was passionate about my wife, and still am, when I was passionate about my wife, I had to run her down. She couldn't beat me away with a stick. I was like Andy Bernard on The Office. I just wore her down sometimes. I was going to let her know that I may not be the most handsome and I may not have the most money, but I'm going to keep trying long after the other guys have grown tired. Laugh all you want to, other fellers, but I'm the one married today. Well, sometimes the same is true with Jesus. How arrogant are we that we want his blood and we don't want nothing else? Dallas Willard said that some Christians are spiritual vampires. You want Jesus' blood, you just don't want nothing else. Some people are Christian streakers. You want the helmet of salvation, but you don't want to put on none of the rest of the armor. So you say, I'm saved and going to heaven, but you run around naked like a wild man because you won't put no armor on. I need to tell somebody, Jesus is your friend. He is your brother. He's also your Lord, and he's also your master. He is right here today, but he's also the ancient of days. He was before there was time. He was before there was space. And so you need to take the blood of Jesus, put on the helmet of salvation, but you also need to get out your Bible, hit your knees, open your mouth in prayer and in song and say, Jesus, I need you. So what am I talking about? Guys, we have to seek our master. I'll tell you one of the mysterious things about God that I don't know I can explain to you why he does it this way, but I do know that this is the way he does it. He hides things. He hides things. And so something happens in us when we start seeking him. And so seeking is a journey. Some things I've learned about seeking. His promise is that when you seek, you will be rewarded. He always keeps his word. So if his promise is that if we seek, we will find, I need to encourage you. Some of you have been seeking. You say, I don't know if I've found yet what I'm looking for. Don't stop. You will find what you're looking for. But here's some other things that I've learned. Is that true seeking focuses on the person of Jesus, not just the answers that he comes to provide. 
True seeking means asking the right questions. Say more about that in the coming weeks. The process of seeking strips us. Because there's something when you ask the first time and you don't get an answer. So many times we say, God, heal me. God, bless me. God, provide for me. And then it doesn't happen the first time. And then we have to keep seeking. And then eventually something starts happening where now we're not asking God to change our situation, our circumstance. You keep seeking and God starts changing me. He will make a a place for me in the presence of my enemies. He makes a place for me at the table where my enemies are sitting. He doesn't make the enemies go away. He changes me so that I can sit there and not lose it. (laughs) I like that. So seeking strips us and it changes us. In seeking, there are tests and there are trials. But those tests and trials teach us the value of the thing that we're searching for. If God gave you everything you wanted right when you wanted it, you'd treat him like a vending machine. And if you treat him like a vending machine, you won't get the best of him. Because it's not his work that changes you, it's knowing him that changes you. I love that. My spirit man is jumping up and down doing backflips. Seeking processes us so that we can keep the thing that we find. So when your dad gives you a junkie car and says, you learn to take care of this, I'll help you with something better. That makes you so mad when the spoiled kid down the street gets a brand new car and all the girls are looking and riding and you're just over here in your old first gen Toyota. But daddy is really blessing you when he teaches you the discipline of how to keep something that's not super valuable So that when you grow up and you buy new cars off the lot, you understand the value. God is a good daddy, and so he lets you seek him, and sometimes he even resists you a little bit because he's teaching you the value of the thing that you're seeking. I don't know if I'm getting through to some of us today because sometimes you're looking for ways to be a better husband and be a better wife. Sometimes when you work hard at a marriage, it teaches you to really value and treasure the person that God has connected you to. You don't know the value of covenant on the day that you swear it. But when you're sick and they take care of you, you learn companionship is more valuable than gratification. God works in the same way. Seeking has mountains and it has valleys. You never arrive and it takes a lifetime. I want to take some pressure off of the gate church today. None of us have arrived. So you can just check that thing at the door. You didn't have us fooled anyway. But I also want to lovingly admonish some believers. You've got to stay in the fight. Because what we're doing is not about weeks or months or seasons or objectives. It's about a lifetime of seeking Him. Here is something else that I've learned about seeking. We will be rewarded for what we do, but we're welcomed into eternity for who we know. Jesus said, 
in the day of judgment, some people will stand before me and say, look at all I did in your name. And he'll say, I don't know who you are. That might be my greatest fear. And we would do well for it all to keep us humble and keep us honest. He wants to reward you and he will for the good things that you do. But your being welcomed through the gates of eternity is about who you know. And so I wonder, do you spend more time and energy worrying about what you're doing or who you're knowing? Because some people talk about him, some people know him. I've learned there's a lot of good preachers out there. They talk real good about Jesus. But if my baby was dying, I wouldn't call them to pray for me. There's some people who are quiet as a church mouse, but they know him. And when times are hard, that's who I'm calling and saying, pray with me, sister. Pray with me, brother, because they know him. This church is called... The groundwork has been laid. The foundation has been laid. We are a people that are different in this way. We're not just here to talk about it. We're here to be about it. And so you have an opportunity and an open door to not just do for Him, but to know Him. The essence of eternal life, John 10 says, is knowing God. So my encouragement to you today, in all of your planning for 23, plan this. To seek Him. Seek Him. Seek Him fresh and seek Him new. Now, I love you. You've been such a tremendous audience today. Uh, I don't care that I went just a touch long today because you've been in the flesh all week eating cookies, <laughs> giving gifts. You know you needed some Jesus today as bad as I did. But because I love you, you just stay seated right where you are. Now, here's what I do want you to do. Will you just take on a receiving posture? Seeking begins with a decision in our heart. But I have learned that God gives us grace to seek Him. He helps us. He encourages us. He gives us the strength that we need to make holy decisions, to make righteous decisions. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're in this room today and you say, Preacher, I want to know him this year. I want to seek him this year. Just real easy, like, will you just wave at me? Just wave at me wherever you are. You say, I want to know him. I want to seek after him this year. Hands waving all over the room. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you just pray this with me. Lord, I want to seek you this year. Lord, I want to seek you today. Holy Spirit, help me. Teach me. Lead me. I always pray this. This is so, I think this is so powerful. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to speak to me. If I'm going the wrong way, stop me. Don't let me continue down a bad path, a wrong path, because there is a way that seems right to me. But it leads to death. Holy Spirit, lead me in the paths of life and of light. Holy Spirit, lead me to wisdom. Teach me wisdom. Teach me the ways 
of God. And Lord, when we arrive, you just keep praying with me. I, I pray to inspire you. You can pray what I pray if you don't know what to pray. But Lord, when we arrive at those moments of decision where must I choose you or choose my flesh, Lord, give me grace to choose well. Give me wisdom and sight. Give me light that I can understand my choices and decisions. Lord, give us grace. Lord, I want you to be like a magnet in my life. and That when I hold out the compass of my heart, I'm drawn to you. Draw me to you, Lord. Don't ignore me in my folly. Surround me, Lord. Surround my family. Surround my home. Lord, I want my heart to be a dwelling place for you. And I, I, I want my home to be a place where you like to spend time. Lord, we consecrate this building and this campus for you. And that this is a place where in the fog of war, in the heat of battle, we can run here to this sacred fortress and find you. wonder if there's some saints in the room I'm, I'm following I'm trying to follow the Holy Spirit here if there's some saints in this room with not you don't have to but if you feel convicted in your heart to pray with me will you stand on your feet with me and help me pray over this building that we're standing in Lord we know it's not the building that's holy it's the purpose of it that is holy and so Lord fill the seats with hungry hearts and Lord, thank you for letting us go first. We're the spiritual vanguard that will go first through the breach. Lord, I consecrate these altars for you. And Lord, we're believing that your presence is going to be poured out on us here. And that people will come and they'll find humility here in your altars. They'll find repentance and forgiveness in these altars. And they'll find restoration, rejuvenation, new life. Lord, I'm believing that in these altars, as we seek you this year as a congregation and as a body, as we seek you, that, Lord, you'll meet us here. And that, Lord, this is a sacred space. This is a safe place. This is a holy place where we meet you, Lord. We, we consecrate this platform to you and that the song of worship will go forth and the word of the gospel will go forth to, to bring hope and to set captives free because this is a place where we seek you and we meet you. Lord, we're grateful for your goodness to us. Lord, we ask that you solidify this word in our heart and that, Holy Spirit, you will speak to us and help us to chew on it, to process it, to take it down deep into our root system. Lord, we are grateful for these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. Aren't you glad for God's goodness and God's faithfulness? Thank you for letting me speak from the heart today. Uh, thank you for letting me uh, share uh, from my, my personal walk. I appreciate that. It's my desire to be honest and transparent with you as a shepherd because uh, I don't think that you need me to be perfect. I think you need me to be honest. 
And so thank you for letting me do that today. I, I felt embraced. The word felt embraced in your heart today. And I just want you to know that I recognize that. And I want to say thank you for coming hungry today. So thanks for letting us dress down. Uh, I do want to say we, did, we didn't want to encourage uh, disrespect or dis, d- diminishment to the platform. I just wanted to come as a normal guy today. I wanted to come as an honest man today. And thank you for coming in honesty to worship today. Please be here next week. I am so excited about the path that God has us on. Stay tuned through our outlets. We're going to keep you informed of what's going on. Don't forget to be in prayer for our brothers and sisters that are in recovery, that are in physical rehab. Uh, Continue lifting them up. Don't forget that we are going to be receiving for the self family through the remainder of this week. And so I encourage you to give when and where possible. That being said, Holly and I love you. The team here, we love you. We hope you have an amazing first of the year. Go and be blessed. What a wonderful day here at the Gate Church, a time of worshiping God and also seeking after Him. And just as Pastor Jordan said today, um, may 2023 be a year of seeking after God, seeking after His presence, seeking after His love and His compassion. And I am so thankful for His grace and His favor upon our lives And so may this year, 2023, be a blessed and and prosperous year for each and every one of you. So I'd like to just end today by just praying for each and every one of you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for all those that have joined us from around the world here at the Gate Church. And Father, we thank you for 2022, but we also acknowledge that you're with us and you're going with us and you're leading us into a new way in 2023. And so, Father, I just pray that as we seek after you, as we press into you, that your presence will show up in a real and powerful way uh, here at the Gate Church, but also in your lives as well. So, Father, bless each and every one of us in 2023. Amen and amen. God bless you. Y'all have a wonderful day and a wonderful year.